Curiosity is accessible to everyone. Passion can seem intimidatingly out of reach at times. A distant tower of flame, accessible only to geniuses and to those who are specially touched by God. But curiosity is a milder, quieter, more welcoming and more democratic entity. Curiosity only ever asks one simple question. Is there anything you're interested in? Anything? Even a tiny bit? No matter how mundane or small? Elizabeth Gilbert. Welcome to Her Own Words, a Dear Damsels podcast. We're Abby and Bridie, the team behind Dear Damsels, and this podcast is part of our overall mission to provide a platform for women's voices, which is what we've been doing online and in print for the past four years. We want to share the stories of women in their own words. In this episode, we're going to be taking you through our most recent theme on the site, Shift. We're also going to be talking about the creative lessons that we've learned from this strange year, and we'll be letting you know what Team DD are planning in 2021. Bridie kicked off the episode with a quote by Elizabeth Gilbert. Why did you pick this quote, Bridie? Well, this quote felt quite relevant to some of the discussions that we're going to have later in the episode and general conversations that me and you have had when we're thinking about what we have learned from this year. But it's really captured how I've generally been feeling about the shift in creativity and inspiration, especially seeing like other people's work this year and how people have responded to what has happened to us in 2020. We were so devoid of any like external stimulus and inspiration. Um, and it was really interesting to see how people adapt to that and trying to find different ways to be creative. You know, I really enjoyed the way that Elizabeth discussed the differences between passion and curiosity, because I would never really pair those words together, I don't think. But because she's done it in that way, talking about writing and talking about creativity, like passionate creativity and curious creativity, I think it's really relevant to this year because it's definitely been a curious old year and we've found newness in the familiar, in the routine and what we do every day, it's had to shift, but it's definitely shown that people can be inspired by the everyday stuff that unites us rather than like the passion that burns at us. I'm not sure that's a very artistic way of thinking about creativity, but I think this year it definitely has been like, it's really helped, I think sort of easing off the pressure to do things. Yeah, I really agree. It's, much less intimidating to think about it that way and puts much less pressure on you if you're just thinking about approaching it as something you're whatever you're curious about just kind of exploring that rather than feeling like you have to start from a position of being really really passionate about something you can just kind of edge your way in yeah I do think you start being curious and then you can start like becoming slightly passionate and maybe a bit resentful. For example, me and the cross stitch that I started when I went on furlough in March as a curious cross stitcher and now, dear God, I am so ready for it to be over. I am passionate about finishing this bloody thing. Like, honestly, Abby, if I do not finish it before the end of the year, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Well, my cross stitch that I started a few months after you, or maybe just a few weeks, Literally, <laughs> it's it's one line of stitch. So I have not yet find found my passion for either cross stitch or finishing a cross stitch. Come back to it. Maybe that's um, twenty twenty one. Maybe that's what you'll do then. Maybe you'll find it there. I also like that you've picked Elizabeth Gilbert, as I feel like we touched on ideas of woo woo last episode. She's the queen of woo woo, isn't she? She's like yeah, which I am all for. I actually think she is good in terms of like woo woo practical you know like you can actually use her advice 
but no i do think she's like woo woo practicalities like it's like yeah okay i'm gonna make you think in a bit of like a ooh like big ideas kind of way but then there's a way you can apply it to how you work and i think this is a definite example of that it's like here's a lesson about curiosity that you can actually apply to how you work rather than just i don't know doing like goop level stuff about like running jdegs around your body and things like that which is very woo this has no link to what you were saying at all but (laughs) i wanted to mention as you pointed out episode number 10 episode number 10 look at us never thought we'd see the day well really it's probably episode like 17 considering how many draft ones we did before we actually launched but guys this is a curious you know we were curious about starting a podcast and here we are episode 10 there's the link it was always and it continues to be just trying something out and then (laughs) it's way less pressure and you just keep going uh i also like that anybody else who'd been running a podcast for a year probably would be on more than episode 10 by now but i i think it's fine (laughs) yeah low and slow you know just take as it comes no pressure no pressure that's it that's our approach So we're going to kick things off as usual with recently on Dear Damsels, where we talk about the most recent theme on our website and the pieces that we've shared out of this. In the final months of 2020, we shared pieces on the theme of shift. And as we put in the submissions letter, this has been a year that may have altered you in a way you could never have imagined. We want to hear about it, who you were then and who you are now. I think this theme came out of us wanting to look forward after a year that had been a bit stuck um, Mm. and kind of look at what we could take away from a really strange year and and look at what had changed around us and what had changed inside of us as well. One of the main themes that came out was relationship shifts, how a relationship can change or the way that you view it changing with time through like an experience or an interaction we saw some really inventive ways of exploring this. And the first one I wanted to mention was Laurie Ogden's poem, Maeve Tells Me It Never Rains in the Sims, which is a brilliant title for a poem. Absolutely love it. It's one of those poetic devices as well, where the poem starts where the title ends, which is like one of my specific niche poetry loves. It talks about how the virtual aspirational relationship of her and her girlfriend on The Sims, which as we know, you have all the power in the world if you have the mother low cheat code. Um, and the control that The Sims gives them sort of counteracts their mundane reality, which is something that we were all experiencing this year. I just want to read a quote from it. It's quite a short poem, so I'm not reading the whole thing, but I think that sort of encapsulates that aspiration and the mundane. Where we are a successful lesbian power couple with a white picket fence. Back in this universe, it is sunny, but we are on the sofa in our pajamas. Sims Maeve is a professional chef, I've written seven hit novels. She has ever fed me, but here Maeve knows the cheat code, so has bought Sims me a swimming pool to work out. What I like there is a very interesting power dynamic. It's like two very short lines and using Sims cheat code as a way to express that. Very clever. Yeah, I love it too. And I really like how you said like aspiration and that's that feels like it when you think of sims and those like ridiculous <laughs> huge houses but there's i also like that there's something really unsettling about the poem as well how you know it never rains and this kind of seemingly perfect reality like actually gives rise towards the end of the poem to this weird like repetitive behavior that also feels disconcertingly real so she says at the end sims me has made herself sick of stress sims Maeve makes her a cake sims me has started swimming fully clothed something about the idea of shift when we picked that theme i don't know if we could ever quite grasp it but it's something about dynamics and how they're always 
kind of under the surface moving and changing and at play and there's something about this um strange little poem that like picks up on that those dynamics between two people and reality yeah there's a lot of different things shifting within that and also I think the thing you mentioned of the even shifting tone of the poem at the end I don't ever think about that but it's true by the end of it it does feel sort of just ominous it's so good isn't it and I think it pairs quite well with another poem which is called Unexpected Fondness by Laura Theus and this has similar themes of everyday reality but with a subtle shifting in in viewpoint and in understanding what's going on around you Um, and I will read a little quote to give you an idea Maybe I cannot sleep because somehow this house is filled with all of your waking nights, your quiet smiling fights and your infinite patience with the sorrow, the horror you never speak of. Maybe, or maybe I'm making this up. Maybe that was just me being hungry. We get the the idea that she's in the house of a close friend and she's looking around her at this kind of perfect big house, this shiny space that she doesn't have I guess it, that's what made me think of the Sims poem is that aspirational mm. moving around this this house feeling that kind of jealousy and how that exists in their friendship at the end of the poem she returns home to her own little little flat small space and kind of realizes that she's happier there that's such an interesting shift something that's going on inside you and that kind of surprises you that actually you thought you were this jealous, envious person and actually you're surprised by a contentment. Mm. I think that's definitely something, not to relate everything back to this year, but I feel like maybe that's something that we've all experienced in a small way. Like we've had to become accepting of our surroundings. Generally, we've all had to accept where we are and change the way we view it. Like I know so much more about my home and the way that I operate in it than I ever did before just because I wasn't here all the time you know I was out I was at work I was here by the weekends maybe but you know I never fully understood who I was inside of it and what I enjoyed about this poem was it is about how the narrator interacts with a different space that makes her change how she views her own home I just think that's something that really feels resonant to how we've all had to re-interact with our space even though it's the one that we currently inhabit yeah, and I like that idea of um, you've had the opportunity to understand yourself a little better this year in terms of like how you exist in your space. And I think we touched on it briefly in the last episode about how poetry allows you to kind of explore those like half-formed thoughts that you might otherwise let go. Both of these poems seem to do something really interesting in capturing like a little thought that you could just kind of move on from, but kind of capturing that in yourself, that kind of surprise that actually you're, you're really content in where you are and just playing that out in a poem. I really loved it. Yeah, and I definitely think what you're just saying about the small moments, the next piece we're going to talk about definitely does that. It's a very small detail of a life changing, but it's brought out in a really like beautiful way. Bonnie Radcliffe wrote a piece called The Power of Knowing the Names, and we thought this sort of linked into... The shifts in perspective whereas Laura's piece is about looking at the interior causing a change Bonnie's looking outward and it's when the commuting stopped for her when her routine changed she started to learn the names of things immediately around her and in her area and it gave her a sense of power I think the best way for me to explain this is to read a quote from Bonnie's piece the power of knowing the names is undeniable 
In fairy tales, naming something was said to take away its power. Rumpelstiltskin lost his zeal because of the power of a name. But perhaps, now that we have forgotten and never bothered to learn the names of what is around us, perhaps now it is knowing the names that grows the power. The tree holds more for me because I stopped to look, learning to call it by its name. And I think it's that end line, the tree holds so much more power because I stopped to look, that captures that point. Like you have that small moment, you're giving it more thought, you're considering it in a different way and suddenly it's forever changed for you. Mm, and I feel like, though there has been quite a lot written this year about, again, sorry, bringing it back to this year, <laughs> um, about reconnecting with nature and slowing down and like having the chance to notice things around you. I really loved how Bonnie approached it from through the viewpoint of uh, specifically learning names and how she writes about slow learning and instead of being overwhelmed by the amount there is to know about nature. So like all the tree names or the Latin names for everything and how everything has this kind of history of how it's become, you know, how it's come to be named and discovered. Instead of being overwhelmed that, by that and just ignoring it, like I think most of us would say that's how you know we move around in the world like there's just too much to know so there's no point learning the name of a tree she talks about slow learning and that's just such a good way to think about life taking it one day at a time and taking it one tree at a time it's really nice and I think it kind of links into something we're going to touch on later and and kind of that Elizabeth Gilbert thing of how you approach creativity and really is it's not about like sitting down and achieving something every day it's more about like what you want to get out of it in the long term so yeah really love that piece yeah I think the way that she's learning from around her and then it's sort of changing her perspective on how she considers like the place that she is is something that we also found in Rachel Jarmy's piece The Small Room whereas this is about leaving the place that you were and looking back at it and Rachel's talking about London which we both live in so we're just like oh city girls can feel this piece um she talks about where it is now or how she considers london now what roots that she formed there while she lived in london and now that she's not there now she's in this new place in the countryside with a small room what potentials there what can blossom and i think it's just really beautifully written and talks about you know mourning the place that you were or the person that you were when you were there but still knowing that something else is coming and that the lessons that you learn when you were that person who lived in the city can be translated into your new life in the countryside, which is always very lovely to hear as someone who will one day be priced out of London and will have to make the same move. <laughs> yeah, um, I, it is such a, relatable, such a relatable and interesting piece. But I love that line where she said, I long to be a small being in that city. And now I long to be the city, to be the host. Mm. She's repositioning herself in respect to where she exists. But I think we're going to ask Rachel Jami to read a quote from this piece because she will put it so beautifully. <laughs> so this is Rachel Jami reading from The Small Room. I came to this vast house of a city with zones for rooms and suburbs for plush lawns in my late twenties, too late maybe, driving in a full to bursting car into its streets like a red blood cell hurtling down its veins. But like a red blood cell, I knew even then I wouldn't be missed when I was gone. The city was a host, a grand but generous host. The contrast between there and here is like the colours in a photo filtered in X-Pro2. Here, 
there are farmers instead of farmers markets. Corner shops named after the owners instead of cloned facades selling the same sandwiches. A basket of marrows with a note saying, please take me, I'm going spare, instead of suspicion and clattering coded gates. These are the things people leave for. And then there's the room we've gained, the small room. For now, it's an office, but it's the reason, the reason we're here. Another idea that came out of this theme of shift was the idea of a shift in yourself. So noticing the changes that have happened in, inside you rather than looking outwards. One beautiful piece we received that relates to this is a piece by Iona Glenn called Seal Skin, which is about the ectopic eczema that Iona has grown up with and how she's learned to accept the skin she's in quite literally and the shifting shape of her body. I'm going to just dive straight in and read a quote from this piece because I love the imagery Iona uses here, kind of mystical, I can't think of the right word for that, but kind of mystical fable images. Yeah, I mean, I was about to say magical realism, but I'm not sure that's just my GCSE brain talking, but no, I know I, folklore, I think you're, you know. Yeah, I, folklore, yeah. I think you're right. Magical realism is probably the right word, but talking, kind of imagining and introducing herself as this kind of seal woman to explore her skin. I just loved how she did that because it felt like it really gave her, her body and her skin the appreciation and beauty it, it really deserves. So she writes... Life wears and tears. Everybody is multiformed, embroidered with scars, marks, textures, lines that merge and morph into our human being. I try to appreciate the constant reminder of humanity's creatureliness. There is a constant loss and creation within our bodies. We have fish scales, lizard tails, and snake skins. Oh, I literally got chills. <laughs> I think it's so beautiful. I just love the way that sort of accepting herself meant that she had to consider her body in a more mystical way, a more natural way, a more understanding the role that it plays rather than visually how it looks. It's a really beautiful way of considering yourself and understanding your relationship to your body, specifically to something as like tactile as eczema. You know, you're the one that is scratching you're the one that is aggravating it so you have to sort of build a relationship with that skin that means that you won't do that and also if you do that to understand how to forgive yourself for it because that's something you're going to live with forever like it's something that will always be there I think Iona's decision to approach it from a very natural mystical magical realistic angle is amazing and a really clever way of talking about something that seems so ordinary as well like eczema you know it's a very human condition but she makes it sound completely not oh yeah you're so right you put that so well and um <laughs> another piece that looked at the writer's self and her perception of her own self was motherhood by sarish nandwani in that piece sarish is looking at the different identities she wears and the way that they overlap and specifically she looks at how she exists as a woman and a woman who's not a mother and the ways that she also is a mother in, in how she looks after her siblings. So it was just a really interesting how she managed to like step back and look at her own self and these different identities she navigates. Yeah, yeah there was a bit where she spoke about being half a mother. It's sort of a call and response type piece written with two voices one being hers and one being obviously the people around her questioning her and that idea of half a mother really struck me because it's true it's like 
if you have motherly behavior towards you know your siblings or towards your siblings children that doesn't negate any motherly behavior that you've had towards them like you still take on a certain responsibility in a certain not ownership but a certain investment and a certain protection over somebody does that really mean that you have never experienced even a small part of motherhood in some way like if you do have those ways of interacting I think it's a really interesting discussion and one that Sarosh really conveys beautifully in her piece I'm going to read a section from Sarosh's piece to explain that discussion a bit more in her own words They are bold in their incessant questioning, but why dear, why would you not want children and ask me how I could reject something so beautiful? And I say, what is beautiful is that I already have been, am half a mother, just not to my own. I have no remorse about not using the uterus I was given, but others feel the shame for me, project it onto me like I'm the movie of their dreams. How dare you make a decision for yourself? How dare you not give your body away? And it sounds familiar, the giving my body away. It's time for Dearest Damsels, which is the part of the podcast where we hand over to other women who are doing brilliant things that you need to know about. This month, we'd like to share an incredible mentorship opportunity with a creative design social enterprise called Sisterhood. They're working on a year-long programme to create an anthology with 13 young girls amplifying their voices and experiences. Here's Rachita and Rebecca from Sisterhood to tell us more. Hi, I'm Rebecca. Hello, I'm Rachita. And we are the co-founders of Sisterhood School, a social enterprise where girls and young women X can design their place in the world. We work with self-identifying girls and young women, transgender, non-binary and other marginalised women who identify with female-centred inequality. And Sisterhood School provides creative social action programmes for them to make a positive social change. Our programmes are 100% led by the participants and they take a design-based approach for girls to create social action projects that solve social and systemic issues that affect them, their communities and the wider world, such as damaging stereotypes, period poverty and stigma and education inequality. So the reason we are here to speak to your wonderful community of listeners is because we have an opportunity for them to be involved in our very ambitious literacy and leadership programme. This programme is giving young girls the skills, tools and support they need to write the stories they most want to read, bringing diverse narratives to our bookshelves in 2021. We are on the lookout for creative writing mentors who can volunteer their time to support and guide our girls virtually with their written pieces, all of which will be focused on their chosen theme of equality of race. Mentoring will begin mid-January 2021, so if you're interested in applying for this role and supporting the next generation of writers, please head over to OurSisterhood.co.uk where you can find all the details and apply for this opportunity. We are so excited to hear from you and your support will help the next generation be the creators, leaders and change makers we all need. Thank you so much to Rachita and Rebecca for talking to us and reaching out. Dear Damsels is going to be taking part in this mentorship scheme next year and we really do encourage any writers who are interested to support these young women in their writing. You can find out more at oursisterhood.co.uk or email Rachita and Becca at hello at oursisterhood.co.uk. So it's time for Online Offline and this is the part of the podcast where we talk about stuff that is happening outside of Dear Damsels and in the world around us. So the conversations that are happening in our networks 
on the internet and in real life for this episode which we are recording halfway through December so very close to the end of the year we wanted to look back and talk about the creative lessons that we have taken away from the year that has been 2020 because lord knows we need to find something good to take away from this strange year we've really felt that the work that we've been doing for the damsels Dear Damsels, for Dear Damsels has has been shaped by the events that have been going on around us. So from Damsels returning from Australia, talking to about myself in the third person there, <laughs> um, to launching the open submissions for our next book, and then also launching writing themes that more than ever really related to actually how we were all feeling in that moment and what we felt people needed to explore and write about more. So connection hope and then finally a shift towards newness and change it's really been a year of transition yeah I really think that there's a lot of discussions at the moment in creative communities about what we can learn from the year that changed how we understood everything there's so much that people are trying to all that people have learned from this year so much that people were hoping 2021 would be but we really wanted to focus our discussion on our field which is obviously writing but more broadly creating you know being a woman and creating art or creating work that you want to share with people. That's kind of our vibe. That's kind of what we do. And we mentioned at the top of the episode that one thing that we felt and one thing that people and our peers have been discussing is the shift in approaching creativity. Elizabeth Gilbert calls it curiosity, but I like to think of it as generally a sort of ease, like you're sort of taking the pressure off yourself and allowing yourself different expectations that you don't usually do. There were loads of jokes in March, about Shakespeare writing King Lear during, during a plague and everyone was like, ha ha, funny, lol, not gonna happen. But again, people have made stuff, people have produced books, but I think that the pressure was slightly taken off. Like we're not all gonna be Shakespeare, but that doesn't mean that what we make won't be important and won't have the potential to be something brilliant. Mm, yeah, it was interesting to see everybody feeling initially that pressure to use this kind of extra time that we had supposedly to get whatever you had been meaning to get done finally done like whatever that was but then there was a shift um for to a lot of, thank you there were quite a lot of tweets about it giving people the permission not to feel that way just to like we were working in a through a pandemic this might not be the time to write the novel because everybody's so distracted, which is where Twitter and so and Instagram can be nice when it's sort of there's people do those nice reminders. But I think since then there's been another shift, really plugging it. We realise now we were sort of approaching it initially as this like six week block of time where we might be doing less. We're not going out, so we we should have more time. And then we all kind of collectively realised, I think, that that's not what it is. It's something way longer. It's ongoing. So I think then what we've been left with is actually a lot, you know, majority of people, their everyday life has just completely changed. And so with that huge upheaval, what what it does offer, is if it doesn't offer a kind of like extra time, because I don't think it does, it offers... Uh, an opportunity just to reassess everything and kind of reshape your day 
like in the way that you do maybe traditionally around this time of year anyway that kind of new year's trying to think about things afresh but this really has with so much change it has given us that opportunity to like think what you want to do differently and like how you're going to prioritize yourself and your own projects and yeah and, and I think that does come back to um Elizabeth Gilbert talking about the simple question of what are you curious about like mm. what do you want to spend more time doing just start there and and go from there yeah I really like that you've included the fact that at least for the UK we thought this is going to be six weeks like my <laughs> housemate Kitty had on our we have a, a house planner thing she was counting down the days of the weeks like week one week two week three week six we stopped at week 21 and then we're like it's pointless now let's just stop tracking this I went on furlough and I think we discussed in the episode in maybe around that time maybe May about like who are you about the doing and I think that was a question a lot of us had to deal with I certainly had to deal with it you know I'm a busy gal I like being busy look at me I've run do damsels for free in the spare time you know me Abby does as well like we ha- we keep really busy and then suddenly we weren't and it wasn't a six week okay I'll learn Duolingo I'll learn to cook I'll learn to make bread and then I'll be fine it has spanned to become a whole year and also you know probably will continue like we're not always going to go back to exactly how it was and again I, you're right I don't think many of us would because if we're asking what are our priorities now how have they shifted I think we've definitely had to be creative I think that's something that this year can definitely be defined by people were really inventive with the ways that they did digital work and the way that we still communicated and shared things with one another there was Zoom, more loads of zoom events loads of like surprise collaborations between people on instagram stories there are lots of new podcasts poetry readings poetry projects on social media like social media takeovers specifically around the george floyd murder there was a lot of activism through instagram takeovers which i don't know would have happened if we weren't all stuck and glued to our phones you know we really had to think about it in a different way I've also mentioned here, I was like, oh yeah, also pop music, right? Like, not that that's something that I always want to talk about in the podcast. Pop music is something that's so structured and it's got a very strict album schedule. And so many people just dropped around in projects. Taylor Swift today released a second casual lockdown project because she could. She was like, I'm storytelling. I'm being creative. There's less pressure. Haven't got a massive long schedule that I have to fix to. So I'm just going to drop it out. Not that we call me Taylor Swift, but that sort of energy of being like, I haven't got to do anything. I can't do anything. So so how do I express myself in a very creative way without the constraints of everyday life, without the time pressure, without the commuting, without the meetings, without the approval? How can I still be creative? And I really think a lot of people prove that to themselves. They can do it in the way that they might want to continue to do. Actually, just to name one, one Instagram live event. There's so many Instagram lives. Just constantly, I feel like now there's always an Instagram live. Oh yeah, always on the phone. Constant notifications. I was like, I do even know I follow that person, but fine. Yeah, every video starting the same way of somebody staring at their screen and waiting. When just I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for the other person to join. So, and some people just don't even bother trying to fill the silence. Sometimes they just embrace the silence and that <laughs> sit and stare. <laughs> Surely that's not the way to do it. Anyway, should we be doing this? Should we be doing an Instagram live? Let's not go there yet. But no, that's point. a discussion for off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but one that I did really enjoy was the for book's sake. I think it was their tenth birthday. I love that. It was so well done. They hosted it really well and then switched to different poets, a lot of different poets and lots of different readings. And it was just really engaging in a way. I guess I think poetry readings are always so good. They're always 
to think about real life events like they always like surprised me thinking back on that time ago <laughs> at how great they are just how engaging it is to see somebody reading their own stuff and that doesn't go away I think that still actually really translates for a screen I don't think all bookish events necessarily do I'm not sure Q&A's might do as well but I, I do mean, think- I watched the Nigella ones and I think we both watched the Hilo podcast thing which wasn't a book event that was just a big old celebration of a podcast but I think that way it did at least feel different it did at least feel like an event in the same way you're talking about the Instagram life of the book thing that felt like an event like that felt like you were attending something special despite the fact it was just on your phone trying to think of other kind of lockdown creative projects that I've enjoyed I keep I think about the kind of podcast I was listening to in that first when we saw when we still thought it was six weeks and I was basically living with my partner's mum and walking round and around the lake yeah. in their in their town <laughs> listening to podcasts during during the hour of sanctioned <laughs> exercise one thing I really do think obviously worked well because nothing really changed was podcasts and also I think they worked well because the kind of wider context of how they were you know these conversations were happening in this wider context and I think that just got absorbed into the conversation really naturally so it didn't have to be like a direct like what's happening but people were having these really honest conversations with each other and yeah I just think podcasts worked really well and one that I really enjoyed was in writing with Hattie Crisell. I don't know if you've ever listened to that. It's really I good. I feel like I feel like you sent me an episode before, but I'm not sure if I've listened to more than one, I wouldn't say. I think there's two series now, and the second series was pretty much all lockdown-y recorded. Mm. Um, but it's a great writing podcast. She sits down with like a really wide range of writers from authors to script writers, poets. So, and I think it engages with writing in the way that maybe we talk about it in just a general creative thing to do. I remember listening to that in lockdown and it just, it was, it was really lovely to hear people talk about being creative and how the ways you could still go about that. Um, and I also, as another thing to mention, I, I think I have again mentioned this to you before is, um, is this working mm-hmm. with Anna Codreirado and Tiffany Philippou, which is a crazy podcast, but I actually have really got into crazy podcasts during this year of being freelance and not freelance anymore and just like thinking about work in a bigger way and how you want your life to look and how you want work to figure into that so yeah less creative more crazy but I sort of feel like they do link up really well Well, it's work isn't it and like regardless creativity is always work in the sense you have to put time in for it you have to dedicate hours you have to plan it you have to understand you know you there's a certain level of workishness Mm. about doing a piece of creative like well creative work but a creative project or anything like Mm. that I think, yeah, I completely agree that those the, those two podcasts are really... Well, I have, in writing one, I think I've only listened to before, like, once, but I've definitely listened to a lot of Is This Working? Well, I was on furlough <laughs> for no reason, but I think uh, that kind of way of considering how we were shifting in terms of our workloads and stuff was really well conveyed with that series. There's something that you mentioned when you were talking about the in writing, about the way of considering writing as just generally creative. I think that's an idea that has been taken up by the mainstream sort of publishing 
industry, which is a bold claim for me to say, considering I don't work there anymore. I, I'm mainly thinking about it because I was thinking about books that have come out this year that are vaguely pandemic-y. We haven't had one like big pandemic novel because I don't think anyone wants to read that. But um, there's definitely sort of been pandemic literature that could be just like people sending lots of tiny letters and mailing lists really boomed over so many people doing more sort of tiny letters and email subscription services and things like that. Lots of Instagram captions that were stories or poems, lots of projects in very short form. And that sort of way that we discussed in the last episode in the way that sort of poetry seems to be very structured and rigid. Well, literature can sometimes be structured and rigid, but it wasn't in this situation. I wanted to talk about Zadie Smith because I think she's such a traditional literary figurehead of, you know, novels and has a lot of grandeur to her name. And she published a book sort of off the cuff imitations and she wrote that about 2020. It's a review in The Atlantic said that usually Zadie Smith's known for like polished elegance, but instead she sort of accepts the mess and chaos rather than seeking perfection, which they know was quite a difference in the way that she writes. She obviously wrote brilliantly, but the way that she sort of allows herself to lose control and to be honest with the fact that she's lost control and that she's trying to write down what's happened to her this year on, you know, stuff about like George Floyd's murder again, but also like her strong reliance on technology, despite the fact she's a technophobe and dealing with the pandemic and that sort of thing. She was writing it out. She was writing her way out and it just so happens that it's a beautiful collection of essays. There's a very short quote that I just think talks about this interestingly. Her talking about shapeless bewilderment, which I feel is 2020 in a sentence. (laughs) So she writes, we try to adapt to learn to accommodate, but writers go further. They take this largely shapeless bewilderment and pour it into a mold of their own devising. Writing is all resistance. And I just think that is just it, isn't it? It's like, this year, so many writers and artists and creative people tried to find a way to interpret the shapeless bewilderment and just use it to give comfort to others. But we weren't pinning it on a pedestal. We weren't reaching for the polished elegance. The, we weren't reaching for the passion that Elizabeth Gilbert spoke about. We were just trying to resist the lack of control that we had and have control of what we could do, which is just our art and our, our writing. I say ah, like I'm a bloody, like, published writer which I am actually but that's not the point um which which of course I am (laughs) just like casually gassing myself up in the middle of a speech about Zadie Smith that's definitely a way to end this year um but never like usually I make sense of things by writing poetry right I spoke about that in the last podcast this year I haven't written a single poem I haven't written a single poem instead I've written short stories I've done novel planning I've sort of so it's like, what can I do? Okay, I can try and deal with the unsteadiness of the year and how I feel and what I miss and write that. I can write about what I'm missing. I can put myself in the scene, in the situation and I can explore that through my writing rather than deal immediately with the moment and move along. Write a quick poem, get the feeling out and go because you have seven other things to do. I've really allowed myself to like stew with a lot of the way I've been feeling. And I think that's sort of, that, that's the resistance that I had. I'm like, okay, I can't change what's around me but I can enjoy things still and I can enjoy where I am now through the process of creating. I love that. that you. I've never thought about the fact that you writing poems before was like an aspect of your very busy personality. As in <laughs> busy personality. So it's like, there's a lot going on. That's not what I meant. <laughs> She's very, it's a very busy personality. No, what I meant was you are a person who is, is busy. Your personality is not busy. You <laughs> 
are a busy person and that poetry offers a quick outlet actually oh I can't wait to read your novel that is not happening anytime soon very rude okay I'll tell you about something that I've been doing this year Bridie this year I mean past week past month that I've decided is a thing I've been doing what I call a ramble walk which is where I go outside I go for a walk I don't listen to a podcast then I try just to let my my thoughts occur um and then I come back and I try to write down the things I thought about on the walk walking really helps me get into that kind of space where your thoughts are just relaxing a bit and meandering I'm not as I'm not as efficient as you it will never get it will never get turned into a poem but (laughs) I still like that like the thought is captured in my head and that's kind of what I've decided I'm gonna focus on with writing in the moment rather than doing a a big project I, I don't Feel like I have the attention span for that at all at the moment so I really applaud you and your long-term focus very long term nothing has come of it yet at all just to say like I think that thing you're talking about about the new routine sort of allowing you to find space for yourself and have more creative play like writing thoughts is writing it's still writing it's still writing practice I've also started journaling so that's something else I've done and this is actually an excellent moment to plug our damsels in distress column which has write like a girl Kerry Ryan giving advice because she writes a lot about this sort of thing about permission about allowing yourself space the self-care aspect of creativity and how you can sort of veer away from deadlining yourself and pressuring yourself and just be and just be with your writing and be with your creativity. Mm. We were talking about how the work we've done with Dear Damsels has changed this year in relation to everything that's going on. And I think my relationship to writing has changed in line with how Dear Damsels' relationship to writing has changed. And I think if I look back, maybe I felt like it was it had to be something you put out there for it to be writing and I've kind of abandoned that now and it's just about what I want to put on a page and what I get out of it very selfish it's just for, <laughs> it's just for me and I think Kerry is brilliant at showing that you know reminding us that was it the last one or the one before where she was talking about creativity being it's not a thing it's not another thing in your to-do list it's it's like something that you go to I guess how you would approach maybe yoga I don't know Do you, like it's no, like what yeah. it's about what you're getting out of it rather than ticking it off no I think that's to be honest I've been to one of her courses and she does talk about writing as yoga <laughs> so you've done a classic <laughs> analogy there you basically just completely nailed it completely nailed it there, definitely that's something that we all take I think from this year is your output shouldn't be what you define yourself by it should be the act of doing it like who are you about the doing you're still you're still somebody you're still creating you just don't need everyone to see it's more about what your relationship to it is than what anyone else's relationship is to it it's time to talk about what you need to know about dear damsels essentially this is where we read out the memos on our desk or more realistically where we read you the trello cards on our trello board which is a great 2020 thing that we set up this year that has saved mine and abby's life that actually is (laughs) sorry i interrupted you because i just really want to say i clicked on it today and i thought a genuine highlight of 2020 (laughs) has been this trello board it's just the best thing you've ever suggested 
Wow, that is a bold claim <laughs> to just casually drop here, Trello. Thanks, Abby. I mean, aside from Trello, we achieved a lot this year. Not to, again, brag too much, but this year we published our first paperback, which is Let Me Know in Your Home, Stories of Female Friendship. And that was in February when Abby was still in Australia. And we also had a really successful submissions for What She's Having, which is our next collection coming out next February. We also set up a Patreon as a way to help support the work that we're currently doing, as well as allow us to sort of plan the next couple of steps for our collective. And we also share beautiful, inspirational writing throughout the pandemic, which really isn't an easy thing to do. So we really just want to take a moment to say thank you to everyone who submitted to us this year. It's been an incredible year for Dear Damsels and the writing has really helped a lot of people. It's helped me and Abby, so I'm sure it's helped a huge number of our collective. Just to quickly say, I can't believe that Let Me Know When Your Home was actually this year. I know. Time. Like, I honestly, I realised it <laughs> when I was writing this. I was like, oh my God, that was this year. <laughs> this I year I made the post of his hate me. <laughs> this and year. it's it's so beautifully untainted by everything. Yeah. It, it was so complete and untouched by <laughs> the pandemic. Anyway, from that was previously what you needed to know, all the exciting stuff that was happening. What you need to know now is that recently, recently we announced a shift towards publishing more books. So publishing a little bit less online and a little bit more in print. These books are going to include collections just like Let Me Know in Your Home and What She's Having, so fiction, nonfiction and poetry. But we'll still be holding our regular online submission periods and everybody who submits will still receive a response from us that's a really important part of Dear Damsels is that you don't just send your writing off into a void of an inbox but what we're going to be doing is to make it more feasible for us to keep giving full feedback we're going to move that individual submission feedback into the membership part of those people who are able to support us through Patreon. Yeah, I think providing feedback has always been so central to what we do at DD. We did a whole podcast on it this year. Um, and we really will continue to make sure that it's at the heart of what we do and be a supportive community-focused platform. But it really does take up a huge amount of our time um, currently. And when it came to considering how we can manage this sort of fuller focus and, again, shift towards print publishing, we realised that it was this thing that we sadly would no longer have capacity to respond to everyone individually as we had done in the past. So moving this towards our patrons allows us to give their support a bit more, you know, recognition. Their support is what allows us the time and financial backing to do the work that we do and to produce the books that we have. So we really felt that that sort of perk, if you will, was able, was made more sense to sort of go towards the patrons who help us do everyday dear damsels. This shift will also allow us to focus on something that we've wanted to do for a while, um, which is publish a collection of work by an individual author. This is an opportunity that we're going to be explaining a bit more about next year. And the idea at the moment is that we'll be accepting submissions for that in January to March time. But needless to say, we're very excited and there'll be much more information coming soon. Yes, it's like tune into Dear Damsels 2021 to find out more. Sounds <laughs> like a TV Thank you for listening to Her Own Words. You can read all of the pieces that we've mentioned today on our website, deardamsels.com, and you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dear Damsels. The next podcast episode is going to be a What She's Having special. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to share it far and wide and perhaps even subscribe, review, and rate it. But that is all for now, and that is all for 2020. So thank you so much for listening and supporting us this year. 
Bye, Abs. Bye, Bridie.